the Ortho PAC hosted by Sam Dyer. Welcome to the Ortho PAC where we discuss up-to-date orthopedic topics for the busy clinician. I invite you to sit back and relax as I attempt to fill in the gaps between education, current events, and real-world practice. Dave Mittman is my guest today. Dave is the past president of the AAPA. His term was 2019 to 2020. Dave has served in multiple leadership roles with the AAPA, including director at large on the AAPA House of Delegates and Association of Family Practice PAs. Dave has an extensive background in medical publishing and communication and co-founded Clinician Reviews. With that, I'd like to welcome Dave Mittman to the Ortho PAC podcast. Hi, Dave. Thank you. Glad to have you on. I appreciate you joining us today. Just wanted to go through some topics regarding the AAPA and PA practice for our listeners. I thought a good starting point would be the optimal team practice, the OTP. Hoping you can tell us what that means and why it's important to us as a profession. Sure, I can. It's kind of what I did for the last year or so, and uh, even before that. Let me start out by saying, basically, this whole interview is going to be a personal opinion, but a personal opinion of someone who's been president the APA. And there have been many people who've been president, but if I'm only allowed to speak for policy, it gets real hard if we're going to talk about things like the future. Let's just take it for granted that all of this is my personal opinion, but I will tell you when it's policy and you know we can back that up, and then I will basically tell you when it's personal opinion. Sure, absolutely. So a number of years ago, PAs felt a number of feelings. One was that our profession was maturing and we deserved things that every other profession has. So when you look at a profession, and I think if you and I were sitting and having a beer or just talking, and we were at a table with five other PAs, and we said, does the profession make its own rules, or does it have another profession make its rules? We would say no. For a profession to be a profession, it makes its own rules. It kind of has a board. The chiropractors have a board. The optometrists have a board. The osteopaths have a board. All these people have their own board. And we would you know, generally agree on that. Yeah. So we looked at the PA profession, and you hear stories like, we testified in front of the medical board, and there were five people listening, and none of the five had ever worked with a PA, or none of the five knew anything about our education, yet they were ruling on what we could do. And of course, there's an interplay there between our title, which certainly is not complimentary, and if you don't know anything about us, and you may or may not look at us in a certain way. Like maybe some people look at us as competition or maybe some people look at us as not well-trained or don't even understand our training. So at the end of the day, um, we said, okay, we really need to become more of our own profession. What happened at the same time were physicians, as you know, were, were getting hired by large institutions, small practices, and even medium practices were being bought up. Sure, sure. And these institutions were buying the docs and the PAs and moving them into these larger places. First of all, after two or three years, they got really sour, many of them did, on working for a large institution because they're used to being their own boss. And then they said, you know what? I don't want to be responsible for all these people anymore, especially if I'm just an employee. Um, And I think we've all heard that story. And so, you know, I'm going to kick back a little bit on PAs. And and if I'm going to be responsible and have to supervise someone, even if it doesn't mean a lot, 
I want to get paid more. Now I'm an employee. And it, rightly so, by the way, rightly so. And so what happened was we started hearing from our members that institutions are saying the positions are kicking back a little bit. It's, it's now become easier to hire an NP in a state where they have full practice and PAs don't. The retail clinics, urgent care, you know, and then and then we're looking at things like the VA um, and and other places where they're saying it's just it's just plain easier to hire a nurse practitioner. Right. Plus, we have the argument that should a profession have its own board? Should should a profession be able to regulate itself? Should should it need another profession to quote unquote legally mandatory supervise it for the rest of its life for the rest of your life you could be so good should you need that when with no other profession does and the only one that's like us is in peace and they're certainly you know they have 20 something states and then they have another 10 or 12 states where they have to do like one or two years working with a physician and then they get full practice oh yeah so they really have have done well in their quest, right. and you know, and we're sitting back and hearing from our members that it's getting harder and harder to find jobs, or they're getting replaced. So we said, listen, let's turn ourselves into more of a structured profession. So the things that worked in the 1970s are not working in the 2000s and the 2010s and the 2020s now. And so we looked at a thing and we named it OTP. Mm-hmm. Um, probably for public relations purposes, because we wanted to let people know that we're all part of a team, all of us, physicians, nurses, everybody in the room is part of a team. And we were committed to being part of the team, but being a stronger part of the team when we had responsibility for what we did. So it didn't matter if if you're a surgical PA and you put a chest tube in, then you are responsible for putting the chest tube in. That's it. Right, right. If you're a family practice PA and you look in someone's ear and you say, okay, you got otitis media and I'm going to give you augmentin, that's your responsibility. That's your job. We're all responsible for what we do. Great. And let's, let's even the playing field on so many levels, even the one that just says we need to consolidate our profession. And then the last thing, of course, commitment to team, but the last thing was reimbursement. Oh, yeah. That's a big issue. Yeah. And reimbursement was paramount to us, just as I think there's so many things we have to do in the next five years. We, we have to get rid of incident two. And, and, of course, educate the insurance industry on who we are and what we do. Because my personal belief is our title does not tell anyone who we are and what we do. Right. Now, with Incident 2, so many things that we do are billed under the physician's names. People can get 100% reimbursement, but the PA becomes invisible. We as the APA can go to Medicare and say, do you know how much care PAs delivered to the American population last year? And they go, we can tell you to some degree, but no, because we can't tell you maybe a hundred thousand visits or five hundred thousand visits were billed under incident two. We have no idea because that's right. under the physician's name. We know that that the PA did much of that work, and even in Florida, I, I'll go see a, a PA or an NP, and at the end of the day, I got my prescription called in, I got my X-ray form or my MRI or whatever that I need. I, everything's done, and then Doc 
and, and we all know this. Doc sticks his head in and goes, hey, Dave, everything okay? Hey, you, you, you like Joni. She's great, right? And I'm like, yeah. And, of course, now they're billing it 100%, and right. Joni's invisible. She's invisible to the system. She's invisible to Medicare and Medicaid. Nobody knows she's the only person in the office seeing Medicaid. You know, it's just become too cumbersome. So, so that was one of the tenets of OTP also. It was reimbursement to the PA. So, so we, again, could start establishing our worth. Our, every profession right, right. has a worth. What are you worth? And you as an individual need to be able to show your practice your worth. So you may want to ask for profit sharing or raise. And then we as a need to show our worth to Medicare, Medicaid, government, insurance industry. And we won't know that unless reimbursement comes to the PA is billed by, by the, you know, under our name and, and our NPI number. And we get it. So we know how, and, and you just sign a form and it goes to the practice. It's not like you have to worry about the checks, but at the end of the day, the practice and you both know what you bring in. And that's that's going to be very important as we move forward. So those are the four tenants of OTP. The biggest one, I think, is the supervision. And basically, what we are asking for, and I want to make this real clear because people don't understand it. And I'm sorry because it's our fault if people don't understand it. Again, every profession graduates people, and they graduate them at an entry level. And so they don't know a lot. What they do know is enough to graduate. So you graduate med school, you graduate nursing school, you graduate, let's say, pharmacy, nursing, physical therapy, and they will graduate. And then whoever hires them, they decide at the practice level how they're going to function. And it's the same with physicians. And so all we want is that level playing field where we don't have mandatory supervision. That's now beginning to hold us back. We are not objecting at the practice level for a new grad to come out and and have collaboration or whatever they need for as long as they need. Um, and, and we all get help and we all get consults. And, and when you're out 40 years, you get help. So we're not talking about practicing alone. We're not talking about practicing without, without help. And we know that it works because the NPs in all of these states still work in physician offices, still work with physicians, but there's a degree of autonomy that's recognized and we don't have that. And so what we said is PAs, and I'll read it, shall collaborate with consult with and refer to the appropriate member of the healthcare team as indicated by the patient's condition, the education experience and competencies of the PA and the standard of care. The degree of collaboration should be determined by the practice, which may include decisions made by the employer, group, or hospital. So it's basically whoever credentials you or hires you decides what you do. And then you go out and you do it and you're responsible for doing it just like all other professions. A nurse that graduates nursing school doesn't run the cardiac ICU the first week they're out. Uh, a pharmacist isn't mi mixing chemotherapeutic agents and putting them in IV bags and stuff the first week they're out. They're, you know, they're, they're learning. And that's, we want to create that same kind of profession, not when you're out 10 years that you need charts signed right. and 
ratios and all, all these barriers that had really no, they didn't contribute at all to the quality or, or consistency of the kind of healthcare we did. At least we can't find any um, studies that say that they have. So, Right. And it certainly seems like it's gaining traction. I mean, uh, changes in Oklahoma and uh, other states. I mean, how many states have uh, adopted this? And it depends how we define it, because, you know, again, it, it's pretty much um, two states, um, North Dakota and Maine's pretty good. And then there are states um, like I think West Virginia said, if you're in a credential practice, so you're working for a hospital clinic, you're working in the hospital, then you don't need a supervising physician because you've been credentialed. But if you're not, then you do. I think that's what they said. And then there are states that are really close. Um, where you don't even have to tell the state who your supervisor is, but you still need that supervisor. So it's not OTP kind of full practice on that level. But, um, you know, we're a step away and we're going to get there. But what happened, and this is the interesting part, is because of COVID, as you know, eight governors waived supervision and collaboration and basically gave the PAs in their states independent practice. And and we're not even talking about OTP because we're not talking about billing. We're not. They just said you don't need supervision, you don't need collaboration right now. Don't tell us. Don't worry about a supervising doc. Just go out and do what you do best. Go save lives. And I can tell you, um, in in you know, pretty pretty extensive talks. I, I used to be from New York. I think many people know that. Now I'm in Florida, in New York, and in many other places. We did amazing. Right. We're going to have enough information to do a number of really good studies. I know the, the APA is involved in one. Um, I know a couple of PA researchers involved in one where we can go back and say the quality didn't deteriorate. In fact, we got the sickest, worst patients, and we did really well. And it's not saying we didn't need help. We needed help. We just didn't need some of this legislation that holds us back. Um, from going to areas of need, from, you know, going to places that, that I think we're, we're pretty much shut out, even, even a, a suburban town, even, even places that aren't, you know, federal areas of need, I think still need PAs. And for us to need a physician just to worry. And in some states, we still need a physician. You need to have a physician's name and you need to know where you're going to practice and you need to register with the state board of medicine with the physician and all that stuff. And that's at this point becoming fairly restricted now. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's time. So I, I hope I've explained it enough where people understand this is not some radical movement here. Right. It's just basically we're taking what used to be legislative collaboration down to the practice level and We'll still collaborate, and it'll be fine. Yeah, absolutely, which which is where it needs to be. I mean, we don't need uh, bureaucracy, in my opinion, as well, but to tell us how we can practice. I think that needs to be determined at the practice right. level as well. Yeah, that's it's fascinating, fascinating, and, and, you know, you can see it changing before your eyes. I haven't been around as long as you, but I've been around for a while, and it's amazing uh, the changes that are coming. Dave, I do appreciate your input. It's fascinating, the changes that we're going through as an organization. And on behalf of the PAOS and all of our members, I really appreciate your time uh, joining us to discuss the APA in the future. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you for joining the OrthoPAC podcast. Physician Assistance in Orthopedic Surgery is a professional organization dedicated to providing common direction for PAs in orthopedics. Learn more about membership at paos.org.